BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I did not come into foster care with this like, oh, let's keep families together. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about this. It was like, how could these mothers who say they love their children Mm -hmm. do X, Y, Z? And I came with a lot of arrogance, ignorance. It took me really being humbled by God. I had an experience where I just felt it clear as day. What do you have that you have not received? Mm -hmm. And when I started to see my kids' parents through a lens of not good or bad, Mm -hmm. but of the gifts that I've been given. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, you know, a happy childhood, Mm -hmm. Christian parents, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to be everyone's story. But Mm -hmm. still, if you've overcome hard things and you are happy and healthy and a good parent, then even for you, if you've had a hard life, the answer is what do you have that you've not received? Mm -hmm. It's always a gift of God Mm -hmm. that we are what we are, that we have what we have. And Mm -hmm. so when I started to have this lens of humility Mm -hmm. and gratitude that I hadn't earned anything. I didn't, I wasn't better Mm -hmm. than anyone. It was just the support, the resources, the love, Mm -hmm. the the faith, all that had been given to me. Mm -hmm. And it it started to build a humility. Mm -hmm. And from there it was like, okay, this is hard. I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to try to build relationships. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Jamie, welcome to She. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Uh, So thrilled to have you. I'm so excited. I feel like we've gotten to connect on social media and I have loved following you and your journey and Mm. all that you share for the last couple of years now, especially in the last year, the more I've gotten involved with the Safe Families world, which is kind of like, I would say, similar to foster care in some ways. Um, And so I've learned a lot from you and just enjoyed following you. But for those who don't know you, can you share briefly a little bit about your story and your experience with foster care specifically? Yeah. So my husband and I have been foster parents for eight years. We kind of always had this one day we'll adopt sort of thing. And then we had two biological children and it was kind of like, oh, this one day thing that we thought might eventually Mm -hmm. happen. We didn't make a plan for. And here we were. And it was like, okay, what? We 
really had a heart for Mm. the vulnerable, for struggling. But I always thought that that was like an over there kind of thing, Mm. that it was, uh, you know, we give our money there and maybe we'll go there and we'll, Mm. and when I became aware of the fact that there were kids in my neighborhood, Mm. like in my town, on Mm. my kids' sports teams, that thought took root in my heart and my head. And I just went to my husband and I was like, babe, I feel like we are supposed to be foster parents. And Mm. he was like, babe, I do not. (laughs) He was not ready to do that. We had like our one boy, one girl kind of perfect little life. And Mm. he really had no interest in imploding that. But I asked him, can you go to God's word? Can Mm. we, I know that this isn't something that you want to do. Mm -hmm. So is this something that you can pursue God's heart and see if it changes your Mm -hmm. heart? And it really did more than even just a desire or passion. It was just a conviction of, okay, we are going to jump into this. We're going to do one kid, one time. And that was eight years ago. We've had 27 children. We've adopted three. Mm. So that step of faith took us on this journey of eight years of loving kids, Mm. loving families, uh, our family growing forever. And it's been the greatest joy, the greatest heartache, all of that, that I could have ever imagined. Uh. Wow. I, you know, first, I just want to say thank you for sharing that detail about your husband, too, because I mm. even just with, say, families, I know my husband is a little bit more on the hesitant side originally. Yeah. And it's almost like it reminds me, and this is not a good comparison, but it just reminds me of when I was a kid and my mom was always open to getting a dog, but my dad was always like, no, we're not getting yeah. a dog. And then we got a dog and the dog was like closest to my dad. My dad loved right. the dog. Right? It, it, and it's funny because I think that this is a, a common experience. I wouldn't say it's true across the board, but I remember as I've common. shared, yeah, yeah, as I've shared about my safe families experience and all of that, there's been a lot of women who've reached out and said, I really want to do this, but my husband's not sure. It's more hesitant. Yeah. And I think that's common. So I'm really glad that you shared that to like kind of let people know like that's normal. Your husband's not like a bad guy, you know, like he's not like right. not loving. And I love what you shared just about having to go to the word and kind of really leaning into what does the Lord say about this? And am I called to this? And is there a conviction there? And the fact that he found that and it really led to this beautiful journey is so amazing. Yeah. Speaking of that, would you be willing to share what, I mean, you touched on going to the word to kind of get your guidance and your answers as to whether or not this was something you guys should do. What does the Bible say about taking care of at-risk children and families? Mm. I think this is important to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question because you often hear like the passage in James, widows and orphans, widows Mm. and orphans. And, and I think that we have kind of created these two separate categories Mm. of widows, which to us in our sort of modern culture doesn't really mean much. Mm -hmm. And then orphans as being like, oh, this thing internationally, this thing Mm. across the globe that happens, those are the orphans. Mm. And What we really see is that widows and orphans, biblically speaking, in context, it means vulnerable families. It means fatherless children Mm -hmm. and women who are vulnerable because they have the support of their living husband. Mm -hmm. And so more than this, this sort of like out there concept of widows and orphans, it really means vulnerable families. Mm-hmm. And that looks a lot more like foster care mm-hmm. than it even does the traditional view of, you know, go across yeah. the world and, and adopt a baby mm-hmm. sort of mindset. So when we saw that and that 
pure and undefiled religion. And just all throughout God's word, these words that stick out, the orphan, the fatherless, even words that aren't specific mm-hmm. to fatherless children like the foreigner, mm-hmm. the poor, we just see God's heart for struggling people. Mm-hmm. And we see that his plan to meet them is his children. And that is, I mean, it is built into the law of how we care for the poor. Mm-hmm. We see it in the New Testament of just that was how the church functioned, mm-hmm. that they cared for the poor and shared all that they have. Mm-hmm. So my husband was not the type to be compelled by some heartbreaking story Mm -hmm. or photo, Mm -hmm. but hearing that and saying, okay, every follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. is called in one way or another to step out of this. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean they're all meant to be foster parents Mm -hmm. or adoptive parents, but it means that we're meant to spend up our money, our lives, our homes, our resources to love these people and share with them. Mm-hmm. And because I felt such a burden towards foster care, he was like, okay, this makes me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I'm going to follow God's word into doing something mm-hmm. and then follow you into what that something is. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so good. And it's true. I'm glad that you kind of broke down that term widows and orphans, because I do think we hear that and we're like, well, I can't go to, you know, $50,000 to do this thing. Right. And it's like, no, I think it's, it really just boils down to translation, vulnerable families, vulnerable children, et cetera. Um, And I think that, 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 that definition broadens the need so much in our own backyards. Yeah. yeah. And it also gives even clarity to what the primary focus of foster care is, which mm. is reunification of families. Mm. So it's not just go adopt babies. Yeah. It's jump into the stories of vulnerable families. Even that verse is visit them. Mm-hmm. It's just like be with them and be in their life. So mm-hmm. that verse that seems to not speak to foster care is my favorite foster care verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so when we started with Safe Families, of course, it was a little yeah. bit uncomfortable and, but also really powerful and healing and amazing in so many ways. But mm-hmm. um, I remember we were, I think we had our second or third placement at that point because the hostings with Safe Families is shorter than typical foster sure. hostings, yeah. but there's still, you know, a couple of weeks at a time or whatever. And we were at an event and we were, see, we were, caring for two girls at that time. One was 18 months, one was two months. And we had the two almost three month old with us at this dinner we had to go to. And a friend was helping take care of the older one for a little while. And what was so interesting was we were, we happened to sit next to someone who had fostered many children, very similar to you. And mm-hmm. I was telling her just about how kind of even just getting a peek into this world via safe families yeah. really just like broke my heart open for so many things for just vulnerable children and families and adoption and foster care and all of that. And I said, you know, it's just mind blowing because I think we forget like in our comfy little lives, what's just down the road. I said, I go pick up these kids, you know, to host 20 minutes from us, 30 minutes from us. And she said, you know, so often this idea of foster care or, you know, respite care or caring for widows and orphans or vulnerable children feels so foreign and scary. But she's like, yeah, a lot of times you have to think about it. Like if parentless child or a child in crisis knocked on your door and was like, I have nowhere to go. Yes. I have nothing to eat. Like, what would you let them in? Of course you would be. You'd be like, yeah, come in. And so the she's like, the only difference is they're down the street. They're not sitting on your porch. And I was like, yeah. yes, I mean, absolutely. It's such a powerful uh, perspective and just so overwhelming to think about, but it's like, that's true, you know? And I yeah. think understanding that gives us a better 
perspective on what's really going on just right around us, not even necessarily across the world. Yeah, exactly. They're our neighbors, mm-hmm. literally, and in just the biblical sense of how we're meant to love those around us. Mm-hmm. They are. And yeah, the difference is you just have to sign up to be the door that is knocked on. Yeah. You just have to say, knock on my door. Yeah. And- yeah. I think it's it's scary to feel like you're voluntarily saying, okay, come knock on my door. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, any of us really would if we could see that child on the street, you know? So it's just that perspective shift. It's really the unknown, I think, that is the most scary part. And that really kind of leads to my next question about what are like the common myths or fears that people have about foster care versus what the reality is? Because I think there's a lot of resistance to this type of thing because of the unknown, because of the fears, because of the maybe even myths that we're believing. So I'd love to hear what are some common myths and fears that people have about it and what's the actual reality? Yeah. Well, most fears are born out of some reality. And this Mm -hmm. is where we have to take God's truth and Mm -hmm. apply it to things that are scary. Mm -hmm. Because people are afraid because it is scary. Mm -hmm. So a couple of the the things that you hear, I would get too attached. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that you will get too attached. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That if you are loving a child, stepping into this role of parent, your heart is going to get engaged because it's meant to. That is what Mm -hmm. these kids need. They Mm -hmm. don't need homes and beds. Mm -hmm. They need families Mm -hmm. and parents and siblings. And so when we step into that, Mm -hmm. there's something that as we give that gift of attachment to kids, it is a giving. It actually takes something from us. Mm -hmm. It takes part of our hearts. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much, oh, no, 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 don't worry, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, no, it's going to break your heart, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be my answer to most of the fears that Mm -hmm. I hear. So another fear that we had that was was big for us was, what about my other kids? Mm -hmm. And just that question of what am I bringing into my home and is it going to affect my children? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is going to affect your children. Mm-hmm. But if you believe that God is going to take everything that your children walk through mm-hmm. and turn it into something that is only for their good, mm-hmm. that he's going to use the hard things that they walk through mm-hmm. to make them who he has them to be, then something like that, which is another legitimate fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I have the truth that I'm fighting for. Mm-hmm. But I believe God's goodness for my children. And so the this scary thing becomes not scary when I see it through the lens of God's goodness. Mm. So there are certainly myths, you know, Mm. all these kids are going to hurt me. Parents Mm. are going to kidnap. There's a bad stigma. There's all these myths. But Mm. I think that most of the fears come from a real place, Mm -hmm. come from a place that I can't explain away. Mm But it's believing that God has something good, Mm -hmm. that it's worth it, and that Mm -hmm. He's going to carry you through it. Even despite how scary it is. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's I love how you said, like, no, I'm not gonna tell you you're just gonna be fine because right. no, this work is hard work. Like if you uh-huh. are stepping into brokenness and getting outside of your own life and into the lives of those who are vulnerable, are in crisis, you know, like and there's a lot of question marks. I mean, yeah. there's I mean, I know I remember having conversations with you, and this is probably the closest experience I have to foster care, but 
we had hosted a couple of girls and then DCS got involved. And so that turned into, you know, well, would you do kinship care, which is essentially foster care, just, you know, the family prior. Well, maybe this will be an adoption case because mom was asking about that. I mean, it was so many things. And so your heart is getting tugged like all over the place. And then it's like, oh, they're going home. (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? You know, I mean, and, but that's the reality of, yeah, I would not have done it. I would have not done it any differently. Like, meaning I wouldn't have not done it just because I knew that outcome would have been challenging or uncertain or hard. Like it it, it really, in many ways it grew me. I think it was really healthy and beneficial for them. Like I, I, again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it'll break your heart, but honestly, anything worth doing in life probably has the risk of that happening. You know, falling in love has the risk of breaking your heart, you know, but like you you still want love. You still desire connection. Like it's still an important thing in life and you're, it's worth the risk. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And most of the hard things that happen in our lives that we try to trust that God has a good plan for mm-hmm. aren't things that we opt into. Mm-hmm. Like you get a, a rough diagnosis, you go like, okay, God, you're good. Please help me. Mm-hmm. But you don't opt into right. a hard diagnosis. <laughs> right. And I think that's what's hard about this life of foster care mm-hmm. is you are opting into something that you know is going to put you on an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. that you know is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But the same way that God is good and faithful and is doing something for eternity in those hard things we wouldn't choose. Mm-hmm. He's doing that in these hard things that we do choose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we both were talking a little doom and gloom because it Mm -hmm. is hard and roller coaster. Mm -hmm. We both know the great joy Mm -hmm. of loving these kids, Mm -hmm. being loved by them, stepping into their stories. And and that's the other piece is it's Mm -hmm. not all just the hard and the fear. It is a joy. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I remember something my husband expressed to me, and I'm curious if you guys have ever had conversations about this, because I think one other thing that he brought up was like, especially because we had quite a few young kids coming through our house there for a season. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Jay, like, they're not even going to remember this. Like, is it really even making a difference in Mm -hmm. their life? And I thought that was a really good question. And then what was so interesting is I was like, honestly, I don't know. I just know we have to be a a point of stability for as long as we can give them, you know? And what was interesting was, as we were kind of wrestling with that question and wondering, like, and not really knowing the answer, a friend of his mentioned to him that he was in and out of foster care as a kid. And he said, like, there was a family that I stayed with for a couple of months. And he was like, that like saved me in so many ways. He's like, I was really young, but he's like, it was like one point of stability and like a non-trauma experience that I could look back on. And like, it just gave him like an anchor almost, even though it wasn't his, you know, ongoing reality. And so I'm curious if you've had any conversations like that or if you could speak into that, because I do know that that is also a question I think that comes up, especially when you do have younger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he was able to remember that family, but Mm -hmm. there are cases where there may not even be memory Mm -hmm. related to a specific family. Mm -hmm. What we know about child development is that the first year, and even more specifically, the first three months of a child's life are the most important time for child development. Mm. It is when the brain is growing the fastest, the quickest, Mm. all these synapses and connections are happening, Mm. neural pathways that are created. It is the most important part. And so Dr. Bruce Perry, Mm -hmm. who is an expert in in all things childhood trauma, says that it would be 
better for a child to have the first three months of secure attachment and nurturing care and have significant abuse for the rest of their lives, that that will affect their brains and bodies, biology, less than to have neglect for the first few months and then not experience any abuse after that. So what we know as foster parents that are caring for young children is that we are in this most crucial time Mm -hmm. of their brains and bodies feeling safe, Mm -hmm. understanding that people means love and nurturing, Mm -hmm. that the world is dependable and not chaotic. Mm -hmm. And that actually creates a framework Mm -hmm. for every relationship that they have, whether they remember their relationship with us Mm -hmm. or not, it will change the trajectory of their entire lives in a way that we can never measure Mm -hmm. because they couldn't remember it. (laughs) But that's a gift that we can give Mm -hmm. to young children. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because I've heard that in some ways, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And I'm so thankful that you shared that because I think that is one of the biggest things that we're like, does this even matter? You know, like, because we're thinking about if they'll remember it. What we're not thinking about is how this is affecting their brain development, you know, trauma response, all of that. So that is, yeah, that is so critical. A couple other things I want to ask about is, you know, we're talking a lot about foster care and actually like bringing children into our home. But Mm -hmm. if, you know, if someone doesn't foster necessarily, what are some practical ways they can still step in and come alongside foster families or support families in crisis, children in crisis? Yeah. Well, and I think you just hit it. We always talk about becoming a foster parent or adopting. And really the greatest thing that we can do to affect change is to help families before Mm. they're even in foster care. Mm. And that's the beauty of safe families. So you have participated in that. And safe families is an informal but formalized Mm. way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, it might mean safe families. Mm -hmm. It might mean the shorter times Mm -hmm. of welcoming kids into your home so that the state doesn't have to get involved Mm -hmm. and remove and sort of put families in this cycle of Mm -hmm. the system. Mm -hmm. But there are far less formal ways that we can do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is inviting the, the kid who, you know, says bad words on your kid's sports team Mm -hmm. and, and the single mom who, you know, you might not want to sit next to at church, Mm -hmm. the people that, seem hard to love Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. are the people who we can get involved in these meaningful ways Mm -hmm. and actually bring them into our homes informally Mm -hmm. for dinners. Be the one who brings that kid whose Mm -hmm. mom never picked them up from school, home Mm -hmm. from school. And Mm -hmm. it's just these ways of, of entering the stories Mm -hmm. of vulnerable families. And then as far as getting more involved in foster care, I think whether you think you're going to become foster parents eventually or not, my advice is always just to befriend a foster parent Mm -hmm. because then you get this close-up view of what foster care actually looks and feels like, Mm -hmm. but you also get to know the needs of the family. Mm -hmm. And so rather than going up to a stranger and saying, you know, I want to help your family, Mm -hmm. it's just 
oh, I know that your kiddo needs a ride home mm-hmm. or that you need a prescription picked up, or I know that you're struggling to stay on top of therapies and mm-hmm. I can bring a meal. Have you been wanting to make the switch to cleaner living and clean beauty, but feeling really overwhelmed on where to start and how to sift through all the different options out there? Friend, I get it. I have been there. When I first started my clean living journey, I was so overwhelmed and I was having such a hard time in one area in particular. I was having a really hard time finding beauty products that were clean, safe, toxin-free, but also really worked because the tricky part was I wanted to use clean products, but every time I would try clean makeup or clean shampoo or clean skincare, it just seemed like they didn't work as well as my old toxic favorites. And I found myself always wanting to go back to the more conventional stuff because it actually worked. My makeup stayed all day. My skincare was working well. So I was having a really hard time in this area until I discovered Crunchy. Crunchy is a high-performing, clean beauty brand that honestly performs just as well, if not better, than my old toxic favorites. Not only that, but they are eco-friendly, they're plastic positive, which means they take more plastic out of the environment than they put in, and they're also Leaping Bunny certified and cruelty-free as well as vegan. So if you've been looking for a clean option for makeup and skincare, for clean beauty, but you just need something that works well and that doesn't harm the environment and that doesn't harm animals... Crunchy is the place to be. I highly recommend starting with the primer and foundation when it comes to makeup or the cleansing bar and the Clarolite when it comes to the skincare. And if you use my link, you can get $10 off your first order. So just go to crunchy.com slash Jordan Dooley and the $10 off will apply on the last page of checkout to your first order. Or you can just tap the link in the show notes on this episode to shop with that link and get the $10 off applied to your first order. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And 
I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. You know, I love the the reminder that you don't necessarily have to become a foster parent to make a difference in right. in the foster world and care for widows and orphans, whether that's yeah. directly by like taking them into your home or indirectly by supporting those who are taking them into their home. Or like you said, getting involved in the people that feel harder to love, you know, or that yeah. are more vulnerable, um, even just by befriending them, inviting them over for dinner. Like you don't have to have them move in necessarily, you know? And right, I think, right. I think that we forget that and it just feels like, oh my gosh, this big commitment of foster care. I don't know if that's for me. And so it, I think it's sometimes in our culture, we get into this all or nothing mentality. And I think especially now with so many things that have happened, even in our country, like there's this importance for Christians, especially to be involved in serving vulnerable children, vulnerable moms, you know, vulnerable women. And a lot of them feel like, but I don't have the capacity or the ability Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the space to be able to do that in the way that, you know, maybe Jamie is, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you can't like roll your sleeves up and do something. And I think that's the reminder we all need to be here to be hearing. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You know, another thing I'd love to hear about is what can foster care teach us about how to love the biological families or even loving others in general? Because obviously you bring a child into your home, but they're part of a whole other network and a whole other family biologically. And the, like you said, that may be a situation where they, those could be hard people to love. Yeah. What have yeah. you learned about that? And, and how do you do that? Well, especially if it is a situation where you're like, man, this is a tough one. Yep. <laughs> well, and I've been there and that's the thing you said, how have I learned that? And I have learned it. I did not come hmm. into foster care with this, like, oh, let's keep families together. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about this. It was like, how could these mothers who say they love their children Mm -hmm. do X, Y, Z? And I came with a lot of arrogance, ignorance. I came with this savior so that they can come into my better home. It took me really being humbled by God. I had an experience where I just felt it clear as day 
What do you have that you have not received? Mm -hmm. And when I started to see my kids' parents through a lens of not good or bad, Mm -hmm. but of the gifts that I've been given, Mm -hmm. and for me, that's, you know, a happy childhood, Mm -hmm. Christian parents, Mm -hmm. all this stuff, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to be everyone's story. But Mm -hmm. still, if you've overcome hard things and you are happy and healthy and a good parent, then even for you, if you've had a hard life, the answer is what do you have that you've not received? Mm -hmm. It's always a gift of God Mm -hmm. that we are what we are, that we have what we have. And Mm -hmm. so when I started to have this lens of humility Mm -hmm. and gratitude that I hadn't earned anything. I didn't, I wasn't better Mm -hmm. than anyone. It was just the support, the resources, the love, Mm -hmm. the the faith, all that had been given to me. Mm -hmm. And it it started to build a humility. Mm -hmm. And from there it was like, okay, this is hard. I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to try to build relationships Mm -hmm. with my kids' parents. And as I did that, it started to just build a compassion Mm -hmm. in my heart. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're just like me. Mm -hmm. You're just like me. And Mm -hmm. you love your kid, but you have this, you know, abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. You had this significant trauma in your Mm -hmm. childhood Mm -hmm. and it led you to substance abuse Mm -hmm. and When I started to get to know their stories Mm -hmm. and see them as people, then rather than seeing them as the perpetrator Mm -hmm. that was victimizing this child, Mm -hmm. I see them as beloved people Mm -hmm. who Jesus died for, Mm -hmm. who they carry their own stories of their own pain and their Mm -hmm. own loss. And many of them, even stories of foster care in their childhood, to be frank. Mm -hmm. And so this this adult who, when they were a child, I would have talked about them being this precious, traumatized child and wanted to love them and help them. Mm-hmm. Well, now they were just the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it just completely changed my view. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean it's always easy. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't watch their decisions sometimes and go like, are you kidding me? Yeah. What are you thinking here? It means that I'm always fighting to come back to that point. Yeah. I'm always fighting to come back to a place of gratitude and humility mm-hmm. for all that I have and all that I am. Mm-hmm. And a place of compassion and love mm-hmm. that sees them as whole people mm-hmm. who God loves and who have their own struggles. Mm. I'm so thankful that you shared not only that whole perspective shift that you had to learn really through the experience, but also the honesty that it's not like a hundred percent of the time you're just perfect. You're seeing it in this perfectly appropriate way. You know, it's like, no, as a human, of course, you're going to have your moments of call it judgment, call it frustration, call it whatever you want. But these moments of like, seriously, because we can't even begin to understand maybe some of the experiences they have or what's driving them to make the decisions they are, what they're doing or how they were raised or all of the above. So anyways, I really appreciate like the, the intentionality of saying, coming back to that place, even if I yeah. go go there for a bit with the with the frustration or the the you know questioning or whatever. Yeah, you you don't struggle you don't just like get there without mm-hmm. struggling upstream. Without, mm-hmm. you know, like you are always going to just 
go with that flow unless you're fighting against it, unless you're fighting Mm -hmm. for compassion. Mm, Yeah, so good. So speaking of kind of the struggle, I think one of the thing I'm curious about is how has the out of control or unknown or uncertain nature of foster care challenged your faith? How has it strengthened Mm. and grown it, but also how has it challenged it? Well, it's challenged it quite a bit (laughs) because like you were just saying with your experience with safe families, you are just put on a roller coaster Mm -hmm. where you think, I love this child. I would do anything Mm -hmm. to protect them. Mm -hmm. And yet my ability to do what I believe I think is best, Mm -hmm. it's just ripped from me. Mm -hmm. I am not in control. And I think that it's an illusion that a lot of parents are able to hold on to. Mm. A lot of parents able to see like you put in good parenting, you get out good, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just this like Mm -hmm. you follow the methods and then you have happy and healthy children and everything's okay. And, Mm -hmm. and the reality is we are not in control of any of our children's fates. We're not in control of any of our stories. Mm -hmm. This is not anything that we can ever claim that we are planning, Mm -hmm. but we so just to, we love our families. Mm -hmm. And, and so it takes this trust of God's goodness that when I see something, I don't look and say, Oh God, this thing I see interprets who you are. So Mm -hmm. you must not be good. Mm -hmm. You must not be loving. You must not be wise. It is, a starting from a different position of everything I see and experience and walk through has to go through the lens of what I believe about God first, Mm -hmm. that who God is interprets what I see and what happens to me. Mm -hmm. So this out of control, I do not think that this child should be reunified with this parent who Mm -hmm. has this tendency toward, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the story is Mm -hmm. that I have to go, God, you are good and everything you do is good. You are wise and everything you do is, is touched by your wisdom Mm -hmm. and keep reorienting back to who God is Mm -hmm. in the middle of the storm rather than looking at this. Where are you God? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that that's, probably the hardest part to kind of learn that we can do all the right things and we still don't get to control the outcome. I feel like I had to learn that in a totally different way, but just through pregnancy loss, I feel like I had to learn probably the hardest lesson or one of the hardest lessons of parenthood before even really getting to parent, which is I can take care of my body and do all the right things and plan it all out perfectly. And it can make no sense why it would go wrong, you know? And it just taught me like, wow, you can really, I mean, that's really where you would think your kids are the safest. They're not out running around in the world, you know? And as much as that's been devastating and hard in so many ways, I also firmly believe that whenever and however I parent, it has prepared Mm. me for some of that. And I think in some ways, the experience with foster care and the experience just parenting in general, but that like coming to grips with that reality, I think is one of the most humbling and terrifying things at the same time. And it's like heightened in these cases like foster care or when there is this looming uncertainty from the get go, like, you know, there's nothing I can do to control the outcome of how this goes. I can only give my best with what I'm given to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we can look at surrender as this like passive thing of like, okay, I give up. But what I think surrender is, is the most active faith of we're not just sort of opening our hands to the wind. We Mm -hmm. are 
placing what's in our hands in God's hands, mm-hmm. where our children, our hearts, our stories are way safer mm-hmm. in his hands than they ever were in ours. Mm-hmm. And the the sooner that we can say, okay, God, you are God here. Mm-hmm. And thank God you are God. Thank mm-hmm. God that you are God and I am not. Mm-hmm. But that means that I have to surrender mm-hmm. what I believe is best, what I want, the plans I would create mm-hmm. to this wise, loving, good God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful. So true. Okay. One other thing I want to talk about, and then I want you to share a little bit about your book too, but I think it's important to touch on, you know, even just like, there's so much of this is out of our control. Like you said, it it can break your heart. Like it can be really hard. It can be heavy. And I'd be curious what roles self-care and boundaries play in the foster experience Mm -hmm. and how foster parents or those supporting foster parents can be more intentional with this and can really, you know, how the, and even those that are like supporting them, how can they, you know, help them incorporate more self-care or boundaries and, and really encourage them in that journey. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that, both from the perspective of the foster parent and those who are trying to support foster families. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. We get into this because our heart breaks for what's happening. Mm -hmm. And that's a great reason, but it's also a scary place to live in Mm -hmm. because there is always more need. Mm -hmm. There is always someone who needs you and they will call you and tell you who needs you. Mm -hmm. And so the need itself can't be the most compelling thing. Mm -hmm. It can't just be like, well, someone needs me, so I have to, Mm -hmm. to give more. And, you know, there's cliches about pouring from an empty cup and you have Mm -hmm. to fill yourself first and all that. But what I've come to know as someone who is sort of a bleeding heart and Mm -hmm. is like, let me do more, let me Mm -hmm. do more, let me do more. And got to a place where I was burnt out, Mm -hmm. like walked through burnout all the way to the other side Mm -hmm. and was, was completely obliterated by it. I love my kids Mm -hmm. and my God too much to just burn myself out Mm -hmm. And there is a humility that's needed, a Mm -hmm. wisdom that's needed, and a love that's needed Mm -hmm. to be able to actually practice self-care. Self-care is not about going and getting a pedicure. Mm -hmm. It's not about adding anything to your life. It Mm -hmm. is about a mind shift, a mindset shift of I need to take care of myself so that I can do the things mm-hmm. that God has called me to do. Mm-hmm. And if I am not taking care of myself, not sleeping, mm-hmm. not drinking water, not all the basic things that have such drastic effects on our behavior, our mood, mm-hmm. our health, mm-hmm. that if I'm not doing those things, they they leave me depleted and not being the mother that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I have to, before I start making changes in my life, mm-hmm. I have to make these changes in my heart. I have to really believe that I'm not God, mm-hmm. that God created me with needs. God created me with these rhythms in mm-hmm. my body that mm-hmm. I have have to honor that Mm. God created me needing community Mm. and needing rest and needing laughter and these things. Mm -hmm. And once I have this humble perspective, it can help me start to make wise decisions Mm -hmm. of what 
giving a faith-filled radical yes Mm -hmm. looks like in a wise way Mm -hmm. that it doesn't always look like just burning yourself out. It doesn't look like saying yes to every, every need that comes Mm -hmm. that there is a wisdom Mm -hmm. and a humility that's needed. So it has been a journey for me. I mean, I think you are an example in this. Mm. I don't know if it comes as naturally to you, but you are an example of someone who takes care of themselves. And I know it's not because it's this idolatrous, mm. like, I just want to be perfect. I mm. want to be well. Mm. It's this, I want to do what God has called me to do and I want to do it well. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that really the hard way by (laughs) not doing that. So I think that the people in our lives serve us well when they offer to help us, Mm -hmm. when they see that we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And instead of telling us that we're doing too much or we need to slow down or Mm -hmm. we're making bad choices, that they just come and walk with us and help us. And that they support us in the sort of brokenness that we jump into, that we have our people who like jump in with us, who they carry us as we're carrying other people's burdens. So I think loving us well, helping us, supporting us, and then at times calling us out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. of the people in my life who have really helped me in Mm self-care, it's by them faithfully and lovingly sharing that I'm not God, mm-hmm. that that I need God and mm-hmm. that I need, my kids need me to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I love that you brought that up, that it's not mm-hmm. just like, how do you do self-care, but mm-hmm. like, hey, other people with us, mm-hmm. how do we help our people do this? Yeah. Because just like everything else, we need community mm-hmm. to help keep our hearts and lives aligned. Yeah to what we know we need. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you shared that. And I also think the point that you made about humility is so true because a big reason I talk a lot about just like taking care of yourself and not in the like, you got to go get manicures all the time, but more like truly like getting to the point of where you feel well and can truly show up well to the things that you are called and made to do. Because I like similarly learned that the hard way where it was just all about saying yes to every opportunity, every need, every this. And I got to the point where I was so resentful of the things that I was doing. Mm. And it's like when you're not serving with a cheerful heart, you might as well not be serving because you're actually doing it, you know, you're doing it wrong. And I can't serve with a cheerful heart if I'm burned all the way out. And I think that that was a big realization for me of like, oh, I can't be God. Like I need to let God do his job of being God and I can't save everything or everyone and take on every opportunity or every request or every volunteer opportunity. Like I have to pick the things. And I've I've heard it said like, pick your issue and set your, like be clear on like, what is a good no and what is a bad no, you know, or what is a good yes and what is a bad yes. Maybe it's a better way of saying it. But I think that does take humility because we want to be the hero. I think at times we want to, you know, step in and help and fix because we love. But also I think sometimes our pride gets in the way of like, oh, sure, I can take that on. It's like, can you though? Like really? You right, know, right. so I think being honest with yourself and having other people to check you and to check in with you so that you can be honest and so that you can kind of keep that humility and make those wiser decisions is so important. I'm so thankful you shared it that way. Before we wrap up, I'd love if you can tell us a little bit about your book, because I know you released a book a handful of months ago, and I would just love if you can share a little bit about that resource and who you would recommend it for. 
Yeah. So Foster the Family is a book that I wrote out of really the need that I experienced as a foster parent to connect truths from God's word to the specific struggles of foster parenting that I was walking through. Mm -hmm. So it kind of came from, okay, I know that God cares about these things. Mm -hmm. I know God cares about court and Mm -hmm. how I talk to and about my kids' parents. And he Mm -hmm. cares about how I pray for my foster children. But my pastors who love Jesus and love me, they're not walking through this. Mm -hmm. So they don't have specific direction for me Mm -hmm. and I don't have these resources. And I'm grateful that it led me to God's word. It Mm -hmm. led me to my knees before Mm -hmm. God of, okay, I know that your word is living and active and it speaks to everything that I face. So I'm just going to dig in here Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say like, okay, there's no manual here. Mm but I believe that your word speaks to this. And Mm -hmm. so the book is basically a topical introduction to a lot of the different issues related to foster parenting Mm -hmm. through the lens of the gospel, Mm -hmm. through the lens of direction and encouragement from God's word. Mm -hmm. And it has, you know, it's written for foster parents specifically, Mm -hmm. but I'm encouraged to hear the grandparents, Mm -hmm. the pastors and ministry leaders and friends Mm -hmm. of foster parents also saying, this has helped me understand what the people I love are walking through. It's helped Mm -hmm. me know how to encourage them. Mm -hmm. So while it's a book for foster parents, it's also a book for anyone who loves a foster parent. Yeah, I love that. I think that is such a necessary resource. And I mean, even just looking through all that you've shared and flipping through your book, like, I mean, it's helpful for even for, like you said, anyone who's in a support position. And mm-hmm. even I think women, women and, and couples and people who do say families, like there's just so much when you are involved in that world, it's so yeah. helpful to have, there's no user manual. There's no like yeah, exactly. guidebook. And there's so like, so often I remember when I was first starting with safe families specifically, I wished I could like text a friend and be like, so what do you do in this situation? Or when, a, yeah, when yeah. a, you know, bio mom does this or whatever. And it was just one of those things where where I really, you know, it's almost like this book, I think is a great resource and almost like texting a friend of like, how do I navigate this, mm-hmm. you know, um, or how do mm-hmm. I help my friend navigate this? And and I think that that's a really necessary and needed thing that has been needed for a long time. So I'm so thankful that you wrote it and that you put it out into the world. Where can everyone find you and grab a copy of the book? Yeah, I am on Instagram, Facebook at Foster the Family blog, and you can get the book anywhere you get books or at fostertheFamilyBook.com. Awesome. Jamie, thank you for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for all that you're sharing. It's not that you're just fostering. You're also equipping so many other families to step Mm -hmm. in to this work and to be making a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and vulnerable families. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the wisdom and the guidance and the practical tips that you've shared with us here and for writing the book Mm. that you did. Jordan, thank you for having me. It's so sweet just to share fellowship, just to talk about this and talk about our God. And I feel Mm. encouraged. I'm I'm grateful for you in this time together. Yeah, me as well. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking the screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. 
I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.